Uh, we're talking about parenthood, and uh, I'm going to shorten the sermon today. How many believe that? How many doubt it? See? See, how can, we can't have revival in this church if y'all aren't going to believe. You've got to have faith and trust. You say, I trust God, pastors. You i got a problem with. Uh, the Lost Generation is a um, Bible study that's going to begin this Wednesday night. Mark Peck will be teaching that. It is about fatherhood as we approach the uh, Father's Day uh, weekend next weekend. And so Mark is going to be teaching on that, and uh, it is excellent. It is excellent. How many of you know if we had a revival among the men, it would just be a revival throughout this whole church? And so let's uh, pray for Mark and be here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Don't forget our... Um, Navigators classes that are being offered during this service over in the Impact Building. They are studying the book of Acts. And uh, so if you want to go to that class and switch over to the second service, you're certainly welcome to do that. And uh, Navigators will also be teaching New Testament survey coming up here in a few months. How many of y'all remember a few, uh, or actually last year, uh, we have the young guns, the young preacher boys and girls that are coming up in our church, and they're going to be uh, teaching for us this summer on Wednesday night, and want to give our young preachers a chance to uh, get in front of a crowd and bring the message God's put in their hearts. So be praying about these things. So proud of you guys uh, for the offering that was received last weekend. Over $60,000 you gave. Give the Lord a hand and give yourself a hand. God bless you. That's the biggest offering ever received in this church on a, on a normal Sunday. Now, we've had uh, missions drives and all other kind of things where we took bigger offerings, but uh, this is the biggest offering in a down economy, and I just appreciate you guys obeying the Lord. I remember the first year I was the pastor of this church, for the whole year, we took in $65,000, and last Sunday, we almost took in what we used to take in in a whole year. I would call that a miracle, and I would call that a blessing from God, wouldn't you? Amen, amen. Well, let's talk about how to be a godly parent, and I know some of you aren't parents, and I know some of you, your children are grown, and you think they don't listen to you anymore. Well, I'm going to tell you that's not true, and uh, those of you who... Um, maybe are like Hannah, some of you ladies out there, and, and uh, you, a, a young lady came up to me during this series and told me that she was not able to have children. There may be others of you here like Hannah. I want to tell you that God never wastes a bad experience. When, when you go through something in your life that's difficult for you, I will guarantee you that God can use you because of that difficulty in a way he can't use a person who's never had that difficulty. I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. And do not let the enemy ever in any situation make you feel like a second-class follower of Jesus. If you have never had major problems in your life, then God will use that. If you've had major problems in your life, God will use that. God wants to use you. He never wastes a bad experience. And he never wastes a person uh, making themselves available no matter what uh, they have been through in their life or what they haven't been through in their life. So, so um, stop thinking 
that because you have uh, made some bad decisions early in your life or, or maybe if you've got some physical things that keep you from having a child or whatever is going on in your life that's negative, stop, and I don't even know why I'm saying this, it isn't in the notes, it's making the sermon longer, but I want to tell you that God's talking to somebody here today and get over your past and get over your limitations and understand that God has set you up to be great for him. No matter what situation you're in, no matter what situation. Um, let's get to the message today. We're talking about Hannah in the Old Testament. And I thought I knew a lot about Hannah till I got into this study. And this study has blessed my heart. And I hope it's blessed your heart. We discovered that Hannah was an amazing mother, an amazing parent. We have discovered three particular qualities about Hannah. We've covered two of them. We'll cover the third one today. And we have a very special treat for you next weekend for Father's Day, so don't miss it. Number one, Hannah, the first quality that made her a great Christian, great parent, was that she had a right relationship with her husband. She had a strong marriage. The Bible tells us that they worshiped together and that they loved each other. Number two, Hannah had a right relationship not only with her husband, but with her God. She had a right relationship with heaven. And uh, we talked about how uh, that Hannah was passionate and Hannah was prayerful. We talked about how Hannah made a promise to God and kept it. And then we talked about purity. We talked about holiness and purity and how she was such a pure woman and so God could use her. Uh, we talked about Hannah's patience, and all of this resulted in uh, Hannah having her prayers answered and in great rejoicing in her life, and we talked about that last week. So Hannah, the Bible tells us in the beginning, uh, 1 Samuel, that the Lord sovereignly had uh, kept Hannah from being able to have a child. And we, we know all that story, and I'm not going to tell all that story again today because I've already told it, and we talked about the layers of wounding and the layers of hurt that Hannah had. And um, we just talked about how she came through that, trusted God, didn't get bitter, but just brought her wound to the Lord, brought her pain to the Lord, trusted God, didn't lash out at people uh, because of the negative things she was going through, even though some of those people were causing uh, the wounds that she was having. The Bible doesn't record that she lashed out at them. And so God answered her prayer. And last week, Samuel was born. You remember? We got Samuel born last week. Well, let's look now at not only the fact that she had a right relationship with her husband and a right relationship with heaven, but she had a right relationship in her home. Let's look at uh, Hannah's relationship with her family in her home. 1 Samuel 1, 22, uh, 21 through 22. Uh, I'm going to give you some scripture today that's going to be up on the screen. I didn't put all the scripture on the screen because there's a lot of it. So some of it are just going to be references up there. And I encourage you to write those references down and look it up when you get home. If you have your Bible with you, you can certainly follow along with me. I'm, uh, most of the scripture I'm going to use today is coming out of the uh, New King James uh, Version. So uh, 1 Samuel 1, 21, 22, the Bible says, Now the man Elkanah, and who was Elkanah? He was Hannah's what? Husband. He was Hannah's husband. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up. They're going back to worship. They're going back to the temple. They went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up 
Notice that. Remember how we uh, bragged on Hannah and remember how we, we just pointed out how Hannah always went and worshiped with her husband and uh, how important that is. But on this occasion, there is an exception. But Hannah did not go up for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord. And look at those last words. And remain at the temple how long? Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? Hannah, I want you to notice two things. Number one, Hannah was dedicated to her child. She was dedicated to her child. And I know you're sitting out there today going, but isn't everybody dedicated to their child? No. No. See, a lot of people think that you are dedicated to your child when you provide for them. You provide uh, you know, clothes and food and warmth in the winter and air conditioning in the uh, summer. How many of y'all thank God for air conditioning in the summer? Amen? And, uh, you know, we, we feed them and we, uh, we make sure, you know, that they've got the nice clothes like the other kids. And we think this is dedication to our child. And I'm not saying that those things are wrong, certainly that is part of our responsibility to take care of our children. But Hannah was dedicated. The thing I want to point out about her dedication to her child, those were not the first priorities she had for Samuel. See, you are dedicated to your child when your first priority is leading them to God. Lead your children to God. Influence your children toward God. Now, all those other things will take care of themselves. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added to you. It's an amazing thing getting our priorities in order. See, if you don't put God at the top of the priority list, then all your other priorities are messed up. But when you put God at the top, and he is first and foremost in your life, and in the way you bring up your children... Then, then all your other priorities that are all out of whack, once he's Lord in your life, those things fall into place because he helps you, he guides you. When you've got a priority that's out of order, because he's first in your life, he brings correction in your life. He blows the whistle on you and says that's not in the right place in your life. Y'all know what I'm talking about today? But if God's not first in your life, then that means you're setting your priorities. So set God as your top priority, and he will help you set all the other priorities. So Elkanah's going back to Shiloh for worship, but Hannah doesn't go. She says, I will, I will give this child to the Lord as soon as he's weaned. And for a Hebrew mother, that was about two years old. Can you imagine? Can you imagine taking your two-year-old and handing him over to someone else? Your three-year-old? I mean, Samuel was three years old at the most. She's saying, I'm not going to go up to the temple until this child is weaned because I want this child to be able at some level to feed himself. And so she said, I'll do it then. And this decision just reveals that her child was a genuine priority in her life. Now, some people might say that uh, Hannah was wrong here because she was putting her child above worshiping God. But see, you have to understand. How do you interpret Scripture? You interpret Scripture with Scripture. 
If the Bible says something over here, you also have to consider what it might say in another part that balances out what might look out of balance in one part of the Bible. When you bring in all the truth of the Bible, it all just balances right out. Amen, amen. And so the Bible says that um, her priority was correct because she was taking care of the best gift God ever gave her. She was rendering to God the highest possible service because she was ensuring that her child would grow up to serve God. It was more important to Hannah to stay home with her son, <coughs> excuse me, and nurse him rather than go and offer sacrifices to God. And this was the right priority. Staying at home with her child revealed total dedication. Staying at home with her child revealed total commitment to training him and loving him and instructing him and caring for him. Look at verse 23, 1 Samuel 1, 23. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. And that sentence, only let the Lord establish his word, simply means as a father, I want to cooperate with you as a mother and let's make sure that God completes in Samuel all that he wants to do in him. How many of you guys know, if you are wise, that there are some things we just don't know very much about and we need to back off and let the ladies handle it? Amen. Now, sirs, you are the leaders in your house. You're the pastor. You're the prophet. You're the priest. But that woman is your helpmate in leading your home. And there are some times that Miss Millie has the heart and the intuition and the wisdom that, you know, guys, uh, we work with facts. Women work more with emotion and feeling. There are times I know when to just back off because Miss Millie says back off. And, that, and I discern that that means to back off and uh, because I'm a man of great discernment. So Elkanah knew, you know, Hannah knows really more about this than I do. So he stepped back, did not demand of her something that would have been against God's will he trusted her relationship with God. He trusted her wisdom as a mother. He had watched her through the years, and he knew what kind of woman she was. So when she made this decision, the Bible says he cooperated. And the Scripture says, Then the woman, Hannah, stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Hannah had a right relationship with her husband. She had a right relationship with heaven. She had a right relationship in her home. And I want to encourage you parents like Hannah to dedicate your life and invest your life in your children. Now, when I talk about investing into your children, I mean we need to turn some stuff off so we can be with our children. Can I preach right here? We need to turn off phones. Oh, let me just pause while y'all shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because some of y'all love your phone more than you do the person you're actually sitting there with. Amen. I mean, I'm there. I'm in person. I, I went to a hotel the other day. I got money in my hand, fin to buy a room. That's Southern right there. 
Look, let me tell you all about us. Uh, we're fixing to do stuff, all right? And you, you, you all from around here, write that down. That means we're getting ready. That means we're, we're getting stuff fixed so we can do something. And I'm standing right there at the counter of this hotel. I got money in my hand to pay for a room. But while he's talking to me, he stops me and talks to somebody who's thinking about buying a room in that hotel. That has nothing to do with the sermon. I had to get that out. <laughs> and I sit with people, and I'm there talking to them, and they're going, yeah, yeah. I'm like, let me call this dude, because he's going to listen to me way more if I'm texting him. Hey, start at this level. All y'all get in the den and text each other. <laughs> Seriously, turn some phones off. Turn some computers off. Turn some video games off. Turn some televisions off. How many of y'all remember when there was three channels on the TV and if you were lucky, you could get four? If you would hold the antenna and stick this leg out. Can y'all see it? Look, we, had, we were one of the first houses that had a rotary antenna. We raised the window and turned the antenna on outside the house. Come on. That's good right there, but don't let go. Every time you let go, it messes it up. So you just, people riding by your house you have, with your hand out the window. They go, that fan is crazy right there. We need to, t you know what, those were some good days. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you. I mean, we got phones with us now 24-7. We got computers, we got Game Boys. I, is that a game, game, uh, what, we, we, I got me a we. Well, great. How about having some we with your family? Honestly, guys, seriously, we don't talk to each other. And then, and then because we're not paying attention to what's going on in our house, it explodes and we're all shocked that our kid was doing this and I didn't have any idea. It's because we're not talking. Have I been guilty of that? Absolutely, I've been guilty of that. The Bible says that she was dedicated to her child. Invest in your child. Tick them off sometimes and say, turn that off. We're going to sit down at this table for 30 minutes and we're going to go around the table and you're going to tell me how you're doing and what's going on in your life. And if you don't, I'm going to whoop you. <laughs> um. The next thing she was, was dedica she dedicated her child to the Lord. She was dedicated to her child, and then she dedicated her child to the Lord. Uh, let's go to uh, 1 Samuel 1, verse 24, and I think that's up there, yeah. And it says, and when she had weaned him, she took him with her uh, with three bullocks and one ephah of flour. Can you imagine? She's got a three-year-old child and three bulls. That woman was tough. 
I know some of you women have had to put up with a lot of bull. But she had three bulls and an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, which she probably is going to need. <laughs> I bet halfway through that journey she went, where's that skin of wine at? Where's that? <laughs> and brought him, that's Pharaoh Hardison, chapter 2, verse 8. That ain't in the Bible now. Pastor said it. And brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Again, about two, three years old. And they slew the bullock. They slew one of the bulls and brought the child to Eli. And she said, now I want you to, I want you, this is three years now, or um, about a year uh, later. No, no, he's, he's two or three years old, so it's about three years later after. Y'all remember last week when she was in there praying? And he saw her mouth moving. This is Eli the priest at the temple. So this is three years later, about three years later. And um, you remember he's just such a tender-hearted pastor and so discerning. You remember what he asked her? Are you drunk? <laughs> Man, people tell me, I just don't understand the Bible. It's boring. You know what you're telling me? when you, it's, You're not reading it. Because the Bible, you, you just wait till we finish this story today. This is a powerful story. And I want you to look again. This just always amazes me. Look at the respect that Hannah has for Eli. If somebody is over you in authority in this life, whether it be on your job or in any organization, including the church, the person you're under may not be as educated as you. They may not be as smart as you. They may not even be as spiritual or close to God as you are. But the church and any organization will not function unless we can learn to submit to the people who are over us. Now, I know that's hard to hear, but that's what Hannah's doing right here. I want you to look at the uh, tenderness. I want you to look at the respect. You say, well, Eli didn't deserve any respect. No, but his position as priest deserved respect. Y'all with me? So she says, oh, my Lord. You know, I would have thought, when I read that, I thought she was looking up to heaven going, Oh, my Lord, here's Eli. But it was to him. Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I'm the woman who stood by you here praying unto the Lord for this child. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I ask of him. Can you just see sweet little Hannah telling Eli? You remember I was here three years ago, and... I was in the altar really praying hard and crying. And remember how you thought I was drunk, you know? And, and how, you asked me how long I'd be drunk. <laughs> and then I told you that I had bitterness of soul. And, and then you all remember Eli blessed her before she left that day and prayed that God would give her the petition of her heart. So she's there saying God did it. And then in verse 28 she says, Therefore also... I have given what God's given to me, my son Samuel, I have given him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Wow. I got to tell you, man, I know I'm a man and Hannah was a woman, but God give me the spirit of Hannah. I pray that I would have the qualities in my life that Hannah had in her life. 
Then look at 1 Samuel 2 and 11. It says, Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah. So they've been at the worship place. They've been at the temple. Now they're heading back home. They're heading back home. Uh, But the child didn't go back home with them. Three years old, just running around. Man, that's when they're fun, isn't it? When they're three, especially if they're uh, potty trained. They're so much fun then. And, uh, and he's just running around. You think, you think Samuel maybe wept for his mom? Do you, do you all see? That was my fault, guys. Do you, all see the, the, do you all see the pain of this? Do you see commitment here? Do you see what this mama's going through? Do you see how sold out she is to God? Do you see in this story her walking away from a God who loves her? I mean, walking away from a child who loves her so she can obey God. Do you see it? But the child didn't go with them, didn't go back home. He ministered to the Lord. That means he served the Lord before Eli the priest. And that means he served the Lord, ministered to the Lord. And that means under the direction of Eli the priest. Three years old. So let's go to 1 Samuel 2, 18 and 19. And you might say, well, I, I couldn't do that. I don't, did she really care about this child? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. She cared so much about this child. You know why we don't release our children to the Lord sometimes? Because we want what's best for us. Sometimes we won't release our children to the Lord because we don't want to give them up. We, we want... We want what's best for us. Hannah wanted what was best for that child. Hannah wanted what was best for that child's relationship with God. I want you to look at this right here. But Samuel, there it is, ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod, wearing the the clothes. Can you see him, little three-year-old, wearing the little linen ephod, like a little priest running around there, you know? Little child uh, who's being trained for the ministry. Verse 19, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him every year or year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Isn't that sweet? I mean, can you imagine? Y'all with me out there? Hannah's home and that little baby's at that temple and she's just making a a new robe every year to take to him because she loves her child. She loves her child and she would bring it to him and you say, Wow, that's a lot to sacrifice. I mean, the Lord really took a lot from her. But you know what? The Lord doesn't take without giving. You understand the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. So let's go to verse 21, 1 Samuel 2, uh, chapter 2 now we're in. And look at verse 21. The Bible says, The Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore what? Three more sons and two daughters. She probably thought, about after that third child, she's like, I'm blessed enough, Jesus. Thank you, God. <laughs> That's enough. But he kept on, and, and the Bible says, and Samuel grew before the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that awesome? Just a beautiful story here. Now, I want to close by contrasting this to Eli's children. Now, I want you to look at Samuel's life. Let me tell you about Samuel the prophet. Do you know that there is no recording of any failure in his life in all of the Bible? Now, 
he wasn't God, so we know he failed, but there was no failure in his life big enough to even mention in the Scripture. I mean, you talk about a man of God. He was like his mama. He was a great man of God. But let's look at Eli's children. Um, you know, they, first of all, I mean, think of their names, Hophni and Phinehas. Don't you be naming your children that. Y'all remember that song, The Boy Named Sue? It'd be something like that. Y'all don't want that. Never in the entire story of Eli uh, does it mention a mother's name as it talks about his children. Ladies, you are key. You are essential. Your influence is essential. Your influence is more powerful than the voice of your pastor to your children of your children's pastor, of your youth pastor. Listen, ladies, your voice is more powerful on many occasions than the voice of your husband who is to be the spiritual leader of your house. There are unique and special times when Elkanah needs to back up and let Hannah speak. And because Hannah did, she had this influence, and there's no mother mentioned here. And I'm not saying, and I know we have situations in our church where where the mom, mom is not in the home. Uh, it could be a, a separation, a divorce, a death, whatever. The mom is not in the home. And, and I, I know situations where the mom has abandoned and the father is left there to take care of the children. I understand that. And don't forget what we said about that now. That doesn't make you second class. What you have to do now because that role is not in the home, whether you're a woman who the husband has abdicated his responsibility or whether you're in a home where there isn't a mom or she's abdicated her responsibility, you're to get on your face and cry out to God, listen to me, that God will come in and fill that gap. Amen, amen. Y'all with me on that? So important. 1 Samuel 2, 22 through 25, the Bible says, Now Eli was very old. Now this is, I think we got just a reference here. So write that reference down. And if you want to follow in your Bible, just, just follow along with me. Now Eli was very old, very old. And he heard everything his sons did, not for all Israel, but to. They didn't do anything for Israel, but they did some stuff to Israel. And how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. His men were committing heinous sins on the very grounds of the tabernacle. The Bible says in verse 23, So he said to his sons, Now I want you to listen to Eli's boldness here. I want you to listen to his courage. I want you to listen to him speak up as a father. He says, why do you do such things? This is what he says to his sons. He says, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. And then in verse 24 he says, no, my sons. For it is not a good report that I hear you make the Lord's people transgress. Then he goes on to say in verse 25, If a man sins against another man, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord... Who will intercede for him? I mean, he's bringing it to these boys. The Bible says, well, let me just talk about that. Well, you say, man, pastor, I mean, if Eli talked to his boys like this, but you know what? It doesn't say anywhere else in the Bible that he talked to his boys like that. The Bible indicates that this was the first time 
that he had ever had a conversation with his boys. He had known this sin was going on a long time. You say, well, where did he get the courage? Where did he get the boldness? I mean, why is he speaking up now? I'll tell you what I think. I think he had seen Hannah. I think he had seen the kind of woman Hannah was. I think he had seen how dedicated Hannah was to her role as a parent. And I believe something rose up in Eli. And he realized, you know, there's no, there's no better way to know how crooked a stick is until you put it up inside a straight stick. When you put a, you, you put a bunch of crooked sticks together, they all look pretty good. But you get a straight stick and put a crooked stick by it, and you can see every crook in that crooked stick. And I think when Eli got next to Hannah, he saw what he was. And he, that's, why, that's why a lot of people will get mad at you when you decide to live holy. That's why a lot of people in your family and friends uh, or so-called friends will get angry at you when you decide you're going to live a holy lifestyle. Y'all listening to me preach this morning? But Eli didn't get angry. He got convicted, I believe. And he rose up and he talked to his boys in a way he should have been talking to them for the last 20, 25 years. But the Bible says at the end of verse 25, nevertheless, the boys, his boys, Hophni and Phinehas, did not heed the voice of their father. Because the Lord, and because of that, the Lord decided right then that he was going to take their life. See, that doesn't sound much like God right there, does it? And I know we got this thing going on in the church now. You know, we're trying to be seeker-friendly. We want everybody to think God's this big Santa Claus God going around, and all he does is just bless people, give people stuff. Let me tell you something. There's a deadline with God. There's a line in the sand with God. I don't know where it is, but these boys right here had crossed it. Let me, let me tell you um, where I think they crossed it. It's one thing when you decide you're going to live a sinful life and you're going to live a perverted life and you're going to live a corrupt life, but when you draw other people into the sin, when you pull other people, when you pull weaker people, people you influence, and you pull them in on your stuff that you're doing, I think that's a HNL with God. Whole nother level. I'm just preaching here. Can I preach like this? So then we, we see these boys and uh, we see them um, just saying, I'm not going to listen to daddy. I'm not going to do what he said. And then we go over and look at Samuel's life. We look at 1 Samuel uh, 2.26. Look at that verse, uh, 1 Samuel 2.26. And the child, Samuel, grew in stature, grew in his relationship with the Lord. And uh, he grew in favor both with Lord, the Lord and men. You can be close to the Lord and live a holy life, and if you will demonstrate the love of God to other people, you can have a good relationship with God and a lot of human beings. And he did. 1 Samuel 3.1, we've already read this one uh, in other verses because it says it over and over again through this story. And the child Samuel ministered to the Lord, served the Lord before Eli, under Eli's direction. Always Samuel given in a, pro a positive light. 1 Samuel 3, 19, I love this. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him and did not let his words fall to the ground. Ah, oh, I could preach on that right there. 
How many people do we have here today? And don't be shy now. Everybody else has been kind of shy when I've asked this question. How many people we have here God has used you to teach in the church? He's used you as a teacher. Maybe he's used you as a preacher in the church. You've stood before people. Maybe you lead a small group. You lead a Bible study. God's chosen you and and you teach. How many of y'all know what it is to teach and your words fall to the floor? You know when that is for me? I'll tell you when that usually happens for me, and I've gotten old enough now, I'm not, I'm not uh, like I used to be. Now I realize, but when I was young, I'd preach, somebody'd come out, pat me on the back, and go, man, that's the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. So I didn't think I needed to pray, pray as much next time. And I'd preach the same sermon, and it would go ink and fall right there. Because it's not me, it's Him. It's Him. And man, what a statement. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And he did not let Samuel's words, Samuel was a prophet. He didn't let his words fall on the ground. His words were powerful. His words were penetrating because they had the touch of God on them. May the touch of God be on our teaching. May the touch of God be on our preaching May the touch of God always be on this church when we speak for the Lord. That touch that makes it piercing and powerful. And the people said, Amen. Amen. I love that. The Bible says because God's hand was on him that all of Israel, even from Dan to Beersheba, knew. Look Look at the reputation of this man knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. Man. I remember the first few times I preached, I don't think people were sure I was established to be a prophet of the Lord. Thank God he didn't give up on me. Let me just close with Samuel, with these boys, Eli. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 4, 15 through 22, I want to show you how Eli's boys ended up. That's how Samuel ended up, powerful. The Bible says Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. A messenger came to him and said, Eli, I am the one who has come from the battle. I have fled today from the battle line. And Eli said, what has happened, my son? What has happened? So the messenger answered and said, Israel uh, got their butt kicked by the Philistines. That's my version of the Bible right there. Israel is getting beaten up by the Philistines and because of that, Israel's had to flee. Why were they getting beaten up by an ungodly enemy? Because Israel was being ungodly. You will not win your battles until you surrender to the king, to the captain of the battle. You are going to lose your battles if you keep one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You're going to lose your battles. And this is what Israel wanted to do. They wanted to hold on to God with one hand, but hold on to the pleasures of the world and pagan gods with the other hand. And because of that, they were mightily defeated in their battles. That's good preaching right there. So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. But the worst thing that's happened, sir, is that the Philistines have taken the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, and I'm not going to go into that, but it represented the presence of God. 
And the enemy had defeated Israel and taken it and captured it. Then it happened when he made mention of the ark that Eli, remember Eli was always sitting on that chair leaning on the post? Y'all remember that? Now I'm going to read right out of the Bible what it says about Eli, so don't be offended. Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died for the, old, the man was old and heavy. <laughs> I mean, okay. I guess he had to put heavy in there. <clears throat> no bojangles today. And, and Eli had judged Israel 40 years. Now, now listen to this last part. Now his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, so, so Eli's son Phinehas, his wife, is pregnant. And Phinehas is dead. And, and so she's about to have this child. I mean, it's time to have it. And when she heard the news that the ark of the covenant had been captured, and when she heard that her father-in-law had fallen off that stool and broke his neck, and when she heard her husband got killed in battle, I mean, she got all this at one time. The Bible says she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, so, so the birth of this child is going to bring the death of this mother. Is this not tragedy? Look at the tragedy in this story. And about the time of her death, the woman stood by her and said to her, Don't fear, don't fear, you have born a son. You remember I told you how important it was to have children and have sons? She said, Oh, I know, you, you're, you know, you're going to die, but you have a son. woo You know. But the Bible says that Phinehas' wife did not answer that and did not regard it. Phinehas' wife named her child Ichabod. Ichabod. Because the name Ichabod means the glory has departed from Israel. And she named him Ichabod because the Ark of the Covenant had been captured by the enemy. What a contrast. Samuel brought up by Elkanah and Hannah, an imperfect father. Amen. A mother that was passionate, prayerful, pure. And look how Samuel turned out. And then look at how Eli's children turned out because of poor parenting. Now I want to say this and then I'm done. Sometimes as a parent you can do the very best you know how to do. How many of y'all know there are no perfect parents? No perfect parents. Sometimes you can do the best you know how to do and your children will still choose wrong. You say, no, no, no. Pastor, the Bible says if you bring them up uh, to serve God and, and teach them and everything, that uh, when they're old, they won't depart from it. doesn't mean they won't depart from your teaching. It means they won't forget your teaching. You understand me here. You can bring your children up the best you know how. The decision of whether or not to follow God is still up to them. And I've seen people grow up in the church and think because their mom and dad were such dedicated Christians or their grandma and grandpa were such dedicated Christians, that meant they were a Christian. Listen, God's got children. He ain't got no grandchildren. If you're a child of God, it isn't because your mom and dad's a child of God or your grandma and grandpa's a child of God. If you're a child of God today, it's because you chose to serve him. Look at this contrast. Consider this contrast. 
And let us invest in the lives of our children that they might have a better chance. Not a guarantee, but a better chance of growing up to love the Lord. And the people said, Amen.